Hey guys and welcome back to the Cricket Banter podcast. Today we have a special guest in studio. We also will be talking about an incredible topic. So I'd like to introduce you to Gareth. Now Gareth has one of the most incredible cricketing brains and minds that I've ever come across. It's not often that I get the opportunity to engage with someone and chat about cricket and not necessarily agree with them but when they explain their point of view still have me understand and respect their point of view Um, so we're very lucky to have Gareth in studio with us today Gareth welcome to the show Josh thanks very much um, for the flattering intro not sure it's all true but certainly love a bit of cricket banter Okay, awesome. So guys, just to get into it, let's start off with answering our trivia question from last week. I asked the question, who is the only current test cricketer who was still playing cricket in the 20th century? Did you guys get it right? The answer is Rangana Herath. That is correct. He made his debut in 1999. He's still playing to this day in 2018. He's 40 years old. Um, He recently announced that he will be retiring soon after the England series later this year. But what an incredible career, right, Gareth? Absolutely phenomenal. eh? And uh, I think we'll we'll touch on on that a little bit later. Uh, But some phenomenal stats around old Rangana. Yeah, um, cool. So just in the world of cricket, very briefly, Zimbabwe completely annihilated by Pakistan. It's not worth even discussing that. Um, I made a prediction that India would uh, beat England 2-1 in the ODI series. England turned it around um, and they actually managed to win the series 2-1. Joe Root with a classic Mark slash backdrop in the end there where he scored a second hundred in two games. Uh, quickly, Gareth, um, thoughts on the World Cup um, leading up next year. Um, who are the big teams to watch out for? Is it India? Is it England? Who's going to take it? Look, yeah, I think England are probably favourites and rightly so. Uh, playing at home, they're playing unbelievable cricket. Uh, world number one uh, ranked team power batting um, they're probably the team to beat but obviously India right up there and it will be interesting to see who else competes um, those two certainly looking the best two in the world at this point but um, Australia always competitive with quite a lot of players to come back um, and you know can South Africa get the monkey off the back Awesome, man. Cool. So just to touch on the last thing in this week of cricket, South Africa also getting absolutely annihilated currently by Sri Lanka as we as it stands as we've as we record Sri Lanka's 1-0 up in the series South Africa have about five wickets left and still need I don't know about 350 runs to win the match Um, lots of problems for South Africa at the moment in the subcontinent yeah it's been heavy watching um, and not too too sure where to start with it I think um, you know pretty much everything that's gone wrong could go wrong for South Africa from you know kind of losing both tosses to uh, you know having one of our spinners have to go home for personal reasons and you know those certainly aren't excuses for the absolute hammering that the guys are getting Um, there's a number of of concerns right throughout the squad but I guess the the glaring one is is just the the real batting weakness in general I'd argue and and certainly against spin in the subcontinent yeah I think it's a good point um I think that's what we've seen in Sri Lanka 
is a massive lack of application by the batsmen and you know one of the exciting things in this tour was looking forward to Dale Steyn overtaking Sean Pollock and becoming and holding you know the South African record for the most wickets Steyn 421 wickets in total going into this game against Sri Lanka um, he bowled in both innings um, of this game wicketless um, first time in his career can you believe it that he has bowled in both innings of a match and not taken a wicket um, I still don't believe personally that he's done I think this was a pitch that was represented one of the highways um, very very flat surface no help whatsoever for any of the fast bowlers um, even Stain, I mean the, one of the great reverse swing bowlers of our time struggled to get some reverse swing there yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, everyone kind of was waiting with bated breath for Dale to to, to overtake Polly. Um, but in, in actual fact, what happened is we watched Herath become the highest left-arm wicket-taker of all time. Uh, he's recently overtaken Wasim Akram, and he was the one who overtook both Stain um, and Polly in this series, and he's, he's still counting. That's right. I mean, recently he overtook Wasim as a left-arm bowler with the most amount of wickets. Wasim had 414. Um, Herat's currently sitting on how many wickets? 424. 424 wickets. So he's obviously got the record as a left-arm spinner and as any left-arm bowler. Um, and it's absolutely incredible if you look at Herath um, and his career and how it's unfolded. I mean, starting in 1999, all the way back then, um, and you know, still going to this day, aged 40. And obviously, you know, playing in a side um, where you know Muralitharan played so much cricket. Obviously, Herath's career was affected um, by that. And you know, the question that we've got to ask ourselves is just how good is Rangana Herath and it's very difficult for us to say because a lot of his career was under you know playing at the same time as one of the great spin bowlers if not the greatest spin bowler of all time or a Lutheran. and you know just how good is Herath and how good would he have been had Murali not been in the picture it's a it's a very fascinating discussion actually and um when you look at some of the numbers, uh, they're, they're quite revealing. You just mentioned that Rangana actually made his debut back in 1999. The truth is that until Murali's retirement, which was in 2010, he hardly played any cricket. In the first 12 years of his career, he only played 24 test matches, um, which is quite remarkable. It shows you how much cricket he could have played had he not been born at the same time as the great Murali. Um, and what we did is a, a, a few numbers to almost say, look, if Murley hadn't played, what would Herath's numbers have looked like? And it's quite remarkable. So if you, if, if you look at the numbers, Herath averaged just over five wickets a game since Murley's retirement in 2010. Before 2010, there were, there were 67 matches that Herath didn't play because Murley was playing. So if you assume that Herath had played all those 67 matches and averaged that same 5.1 wickets a game that he did post the Murley era, he would have added um, an extra 342 wickets to his total. So, so remarkably, that would have brought him into the high 760s. Um, let, me, let me find my number 766. here. 766 wickets. And he's still got five to take tomorrow in a tour against England. <laughs> Um, so, you know, th th that kind of answers the question. He could have been right up there 
with Murali, near the 800 mark, um, if, if he wasn't born at the same time as him. Yeah, I mean, it is remarkable. I mean, Harith made his debut in 1999. He did not play a single test match between the year 2000 and 2004. And he did not play a single test match between 2005 and 2008. And, you know, it's, it's sad in a way because we could potentially have missed out on what could have been the most successful spinner of all time. Would you agree with that? Look, I think uh, his longevity has been remarkable um, and his, his performances have been incredible. Uh, he's probably still that notch below um merely and, and and probably worn i think um you know the numbers are quite incredible that he's put forward but his average away from home isn't that impressive um and his overall average is probably just that kind of out of that absolute top echelon of the greatest who've ever lived but still an absolutely remarkable bowler you know it's just i guess it's a case of what could have been for herath i mean applying that 5.1 wickets per game um, which he you know, has got to, since Murley's retired, if we had taken all the games that he would have played at with Murley. I mean, 766 wickets, um, absolutely remarkable. I mean, we're talking right up there with the highest wicket take of all time, which was Murley. And this got Gareth and I you know, talking and debating as to, OK, cool, well, we have to exclude Herath from this discussion because of what we've mentioned previously, but... You know, who is the best spinner of all time? Um, is it Murley? Is it Herath? And what we did is, you know, we've kind of run an analysis and we've looked at quite a, a few different um, data points here. Um, you know, how many wickets they took, what their averages were, their performances at home versus away. We looked at um, their performances in Asia versus non-Asian countries. We've looked at what their records would look like um, against uh, if you took out the minnows. We've looked at, you know, who are they getting out? Are they getting out tail enders? Are they getting out proper batsmen? And we've done this whole analysis and that's something that we wanted to talk about and we've chosen that as our topic for today. Um, so let's get into it. Um, Gareth, talk us through the stats, the overall stats. Murley versus Warren on a high level. Take us through it. Yeah, look, Murley versus Warren is one of those kind of old age, um, you know, age old debates. Everyone's got their favorite. Everyone's got their opinion. Um, it's probably the, the cricket equivalent of your kind of Ronaldo Messi uh, type debate and uh, it's always a fascinating one. Uh, for me, I've always been in the Murley camp. I think um, I would, I would probably, um, you know, say say right at the uh, off the bat that it's hell of a close. They're both absolutely incredible all-time greats of the game, um, and it really is, um, uh, you know, kind of neck and neck. But I've always been uh, kind of just slightly in the in the Murley camp, and I think when you look at some of the numbers, you'll see why. Um, Maybe before we, we delve deep into the stats, uh, looking at the overall numbers, everyone knows the famous 800 that Murley's taken, 800 wickets the most ever. Um, his average is a remarkable 22.73, you know, right up there with the best averages ever, even in, in line with some of the, the quicks. A strike rate of 55. Um, what's completely unbelievable is 67 five wicket hauls i mean it's it's just uh, you know mind-blowing numbers 22 10 wicket hauls 
and he's been man of the match 19 times which is one in every seven games he's played which is which is the best in history um so unbelievable numbers for Murali. And uh, if we compare that to, to Warren, I mean, Warren got less wickets than him, 708 wickets compared to Murley's um, 800 wickets. Warren's average 25.42, Murley's average 22.73. Warren's strike rate is 57, whereas Murley's was 55. Warren did play a few more matches, 145 in total, compared to Murley's 133. But I think, like you said, you know, the Fifers and the Tenfers absolutely incredible um, for Murley. Warren also very impressive, 37 Fifers compared to Murley's 67 Fifers um, and Warren's 10 Tenfers versus Murley's 22 Tenfers. Just quickly, I mean, do you ever see a bowler getting close to Murley's 67 Fifers? Do you think someone could get close to that? Jeez, I, I, I can't see it happening in our lifetime, but yeah. uh, who knows? I also think you know they probably play slightly less test cricket now than they used to yeah. uh, during these eras but uh yeah i don't think we'll see that again yeah and i mean morally 19 man of the matches um you know pretty much one in every seven games um warney 17 man of the matches um you know one in pretty much every one in eight and a half games he got the man of the match so i mean on a high level if the arguments had to stop there i think Murley would take it Murley had more wickets at a better average with a better strike rate um he had a higher percentage um of his matches as man of the match he had many more fifers many more tenfers um but we didn't want to stop there we wanted to look at the data more intricately um, on a more granular level and one of the things that we looked at was the home and away records what do you want to take us through those Garrett yeah so I think that that's that's obviously a very important point you can't look at, you know the the argument is that if Warren played more of his cricket as Murley did um, in the subcontinent and in more f- spin friendly conditions you know, how would his record have looked relative to Murley? So you actually have to start delving into that data um, and, and, and look at it, looking at it in that respect. Mm-hmm. Home versus away um, is also always very interesting. You know, who are the, the real kind of home bullies? I think when you think about spinners, Ashwin uh, tends to come to mind um, as, as being remarkable at home, but, but hasn't really been able to, to crack it away as of yet. Um, in terms of, of Murley and Warren, uh, the numbers are, are, are quite compelling. Murley at home took 493 wickets at an average of 19.57 and away took 307 wickets at an average of 27.8. So obviously incredible numbers at home in Sri Lanka um, on the spin-friendly decks. But still, I'd argue an average of 27 away um, is, is pretty decent as well. Yeah. Definitely, and I mean, comparing that to Warren, Warren played 65 matches at home and 72 away. Um, at home, Warren had 319 wickets at an average of 26.39, while away he had 389 wickets at 24.61. And I mean, again, in both of those metrics, Murley takes the cake in terms of averages. Um, in terms of strike rates, um, Murley had a better strike rate both um, home and away. Um, Murley had um, more Fafas at home than Warren. They both had the same amount of Fafas away, 22. Um, and Tenfers, Murley again takes the cake. At home, he had 15 Tenfers, I mean, which is just 
ridiculous. Warren had four, um, and away as well. Murley had more um, more tenfers than Warren away from home. So again, I think the the data, the 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 arguments is swaying in Murley's favour so far. What would you say? I think so. I think uh, I think it certainly shows you that you know. Um, away from home Warren, Warren's average is is slightly better than his overall average um, because you start bringing in some of the more spin friendly conditions uh, but that really you know probably a more meaningful analysis is to start trying to understand how they look in the subcontinent versus versus outside the subcontinent because I think that that really starts to say well if Warren had played more of his more of his cricket in those in, in kind of the those Bunsen burners in in Sri Lanka and, and India, how would his overall numbers have looked? Um, and likewise for Warney, if he had played, oh, sorry, for Murley, if he had played more of his cricket away on some of the more difficult tracks, uh, would he have been as good? Cool. I mean, let's, let's look at those numbers. So in Asia, let's start with Asia. Um, Murley took a remarkable 612 wickets at 21.69, which is just crazy. Um, Warren had 127 wickets, but at a slightly higher average of 26.8. I think when you start looking, you know, in those non-spin friendly conditions, I think that's when the argument or the debate becomes interesting because clearly in Asia, um, you you know, Murley clearly takes it. I mean, his average is about five, you know, runs per wicket better. Um, But talk us through some of the non-Asian data. Yeah, so the non-Asian data, they're actually very similar. Uh, Murley actually slightly worse average, 26 versus Warney's 20, 25. Um, but, you know, I guess they're remarkable all around. But for me, this kind of, you know, debunks the myth that if Warren had, had played all his cricket in Asia, uh, in the subcontinental tracks that spin, that he would have uh, got a lot more wickets or, or been a lot better in terms of his overall record than Murley. Murley actually in Asia averaging significantly lower um, than Warren. Yeah, and I think you know one of the fascinating points that people bring up when this debate comes to the fore is, you know, the same way um, you know batsmen can be labelled as flat track bullies. Um, or you know really good against weaker teams a lot of people have made the arguments that you know Murley abused the minnows um, he absolutely annihilated the minnows and I mean he did play a lot more against you know and in, in this category we'd consider the Bangladeshis and Zimbabweans as minnows I think now Bangladesh is definitely starting to move away from that but I think you know during the, the period of their careers Bangladesh would still be considered a, a minnow and I mean, Zimbabwe is just tragic. We won't even get into that. Um, talk us through some of the, the numbers as to what both Murley and Warren would have accomplished in their careers if you take away any games, any wickets um, that they played against any of those minnows. Yeah, look, so I think this is an important point probably in Warren's favour. Um, he didn't actually get to play much against Bangladesh and, and Zimbabwe, whereas Murley, as you say, absolutely battered them. Um, so when you actually take out Murali's performances against Bangladesh um, and Zimbabwe where he, where he really did perform exceptionally well, 
the picture starts looking a lot more even. Mirili still shades it though. Mirili against all the other teams except Bangladesh and Zimbabwe uh, took 624 wickets at 24.8 and Warren took 691 wickets at 25.4. So Mirili still shading it but certainly when you take those those teams out the, the numbers start to converge a bit. Yeah, they become a lot more even. I mean, when we were looking at the data we noticed Warren only played three games against in total against Bangladesh and Zimbabwe where Murali had played a lot more um, but I, I agree with you there you know this does even things out a lot more um, the difference in average 24.8 for Murali versus 25.4 for Warren it's you know it's only 0.6 difference not much of a difference um, and then you know the next thing that we looked at is um, you know how did these guys play against some of the bigger teams you know there's there's been teams over the last you know decade or two that have performed better than other teams and you know when we were looking at it we came up with those teams that were better as South Africa Australia England and India and we decided well let's look at Murley versus Warren versus against those teams um, you know because I think that gives you a good gauge of you know we've taken out the minnows but now let's see how they how they're done against the the best teams in the world so talk us through some of that those numbers yeah so you know they they you you could say that they both performed unbelievably against almost every opposition they weren't the type of of uh, bowlers who kind of had many weaknesses but um, against South Africa Murali took 104 wickets at 22 versus Warren um, 130 wickets at 24. I was quite surprised by that, having kind of felt the scars of, of Warney over the years. Uh, but Murali actually had a slightly better average against South Africa. Mm. Both, interestingly, struggled against India. Um, Sri Lanka, I, I mean, Murali had 105 wickets at 32.62 against India. And Warney had uh, only 43 wickets at 47 against India so that was a bit of a struggle for for Warney and probably kind of the one blight on his career statistics and uh, just to jump in there quickly I mean it's well you know spoken about that Warney um, did struggle against India I mean we we can look back at his debut all the way back in 1992 where he got absolutely hammered by Ravi Shastri um, and Shastri actually ended up scoring a double hundred that game and took Warney to the cleaners and Warney did have the last laugh and he got him out but um, you know figures of one for 150 not looking so great um, against India at that point um, do you remember um, Murali's stats in India? In India, uh, not great. Both of them actually struggled in India. I think the Indians have obviously been the best players of spin for a long period of time. Um, so I think Murali, I don't remember the number of wickets, but he averaged about 45 in India. And Warren was similar. I think he averaged about 43 in India. Um, so they both struggled there. Uh, it's obviously... Um, been a difficult place over the years for spinners given just the quality of the Indian batting mm. um, and then I guess the, the third team we looked at was, was England and England were battered by both of these men um, Murali got 112 wickets against England at 20.06 um, and Warren got 195 wickets which is just a remarkable number against England at 23.26 uh, so 
both unbelievable against England, but uh, merely again shading it there. And uh, just, I mean, just to speak about that, 195 wickets against one single opposition. Most bowlers don't get there in their entire careers against all the teams combined. I mean, to get there against one single team is absolutely incredible. Absolutely crazy. And then I guess uh, Warney didn't play against Australia uh, for obvious reasons. Interestingly, Murley's worst performance came against Australia, uh, where he averaged 36. And he actually averaged 75 in Australia against Australia. Um, so, you know, it does talk to an interesting point, which is that Warren uh, escaped playing by far the best batting lineup of their time. Um, it would, they would have been a nightmare to, to bat against that, uh, that Aussie batting lineup of the, the late 19, uh, 1990s. Uh, but Murley did struggle, uh, so 36 uh, overall and, and certainly struggled in, in Australia itself. That's right, I mean, I think Australia is the only country that Murley went to where he did not get a five-wicket haul. Um, I seem to just remember um, the batsman dancing down the wicket, getting to the pitch. Obviously, the pitches aren't as conducive to spin Sydney aside, um, and they were just, you know, dash him down the ground for singles um, you know and he struggled there not to get a single Fafa there is remarkable the Aussies really did play the spin well there and I was watching a documentary on um, Kevin Peterson recently where he spoke about playing Murley and he said his strategy against Murley it's quite an interesting strategy was he would come out and be ultra aggressive against uh, Murley from the outset so in the first you know couple of balls he would come down the wicket and he'd try to smash him you know in typical Peterson style I guess for boundaries and he knew that Murley absolutely hated going for boundaries and he knew if he could get two or three boundaries early on in his innings immediately to prevent more boundaries from coming Murley would spread the field and that's when Peterson kind of toned it down a bit went you know geared down a bit and he would just kind of push him around the ground for singles so I thought that was an interesting strategy that Peterson employed when um, playing against Murray Lutheran um, so I guess you know the 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 data is pretty it's pretty interesting at this point. I think Murley um, might just um, be ahead um, at this point. But we decided to look at one further statistic, which I think is fascinating. And you know, going into this argument, I was pretty much on Warney's side. I was pretty much. 51% Warren, 49% Murley as to who the best spinner of all time is. But we looked at who did they get their wickets against in terms of the batting order. Were they getting proper batsmen out or were they getting their wickets um, against the tail? And, you know, I guess at the end of this, you know, my, my view might have changed slightly. Do you want to talk us through some of those numbers? Yeah, I must say this is this is new to me. I've I hadn't actually known about this analysis, but it's a fascinating one to look at. You know, are you actually getting the batsman out, the the, the real kind of top order out? Um, not that cleaning up the tail isn't a, a hell of an important skill, and and it's, I think we we've seen the impact of of wagging tails over the last couple of years. Nevertheless, I think any good bowler will tell you the best thing they can do is get the the best opposition batsman out. And fascinatingly, we've seen that Murley in his career got proper batsmen out, so that's been defined as batting in positions one to seven. 
That, that comprised 67.5% of his dismissals, and the tail, 8 to 11, comprised 32.5% of his dismissals. Whereas with Warney, uh, it was a bit more skewed towards tail enders. So he got 62.8% uh, of batsmen out versus 37.1% of the tail. Might be a number of reasons for that. Um, obviously, Warney was coming in uh, behind the likes of, of McGraw, Gillespie and Lee, who'd probably already cleaned up the top order. Um, and he didn't get much chance to do it himself. Um, but nevertheless, Murali definitely edges it in terms of who he, he was actually getting out. Awesome. Really, really fascinating stuff there. And I guess, you know, if, if we're looking at it from the perspective of who is the best spinner of all time and we're only looking at them purely from a statistical point of view as a spinner um, I guess there's you know there's very good reason to believe that you know perhaps Murley was the best spinner of all time um, better than Warren um, the only spanner I'll throw in the works there there's there's two kind of points that I would I would consider one, um, obviously, Murley having a, a history of, you know, being called for chucking. Um, and secondly, if I had to look at spin bowling as an art, I would think that, you know, to master the art of leg spin bowling is a lot more challenging. And as a purist, I would appreciate someone more who is a leg spinner as opposed to an off spinner. Do you want to just give us, you know, some of your thoughts on those two points? Yeah, look, I, I think that, that, that those are interesting ones. For me, on the on the whole concept of chucking, um, I'm kind of philosophical about it. I think he's been through the mill. He was tested several times. He's been allowed to play, um, and we should just move on from it. Um, and that's kind of the the approach I take to it. Um, there's no doubt about leg spinners kind of carrying that, you know, air of of magic around them uh, there's nothing quite like seeing a leg spinner applying his his, his craft and Warren really did change the game uh, I think he brought uh, new audiences to the game I think uh, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about it that when Warren was bowling you were absolutely spellbound you couldn't take your eyes away from it we used to hate him as youngsters <laughs> Uh, but that was more because we were completely in awe of the guy. He had a presence and aura about him, um, and it was he, he definitely changed kind of cricket. Um, but you know, I think when you when you look at the numbers, what Murali's done um, is is just absolutely incredible. So short answer, one word answer: Who is the best spinner of all time, Warren or Murali? My, my spinning goat. Um, is is probably merely uh, i think almost every however you slice the data he he just edges it um as a as a pure kind of spin bowler cool i'd have to i'd have to agree with you like i said coming into this um session this debate i was kind of more on one side um 51 49 um i think looking at the data i think Murley definitely does take it however slightly um, I, I tend to agree with you. There was something about, you know, the fact that Warren was this leg spinner who had control, something we'd never seen before and we haven't really seen since. And there is something mesmerizing watching a leg spinner. It is the hardest um, skill within cricket, in my opinion. Um, so I guess looking at it from a purely data perspective, I would have to agree with you. 
based on the data, based on the numbers, I can't argue that. I think that Murley was a better spinner. Um, I do believe that perhaps Warren was more of an artist, although, you know, it's so easy to to sit here and appreciate, you know, the magician that Murley was. Um, I guess that covers, you know, who's the better spinner. But if we had to look at who's a better cricketer, um, and, you know, take in Warren's catching ability. He was a great catcher at slip um, for many, many years. He had great hands. Um, he had an incredible cricketing mind. Um, it, you know, he didn't captain Australia. Uh, it blows my mind that someone with that kind of, you know, mental awareness of a game situation, never having captained their country because of, you know, the, the, the wars and the pontings of this world. Um, but, you know, looking at Warren's batting as well, I think that would give um, a lot of push towards the argument that he was a better cricketer. Do you want to talk us through some of the batting numbers behind that? Yeah, look, there's, there's no doubt Warney was a, a better batsman than Murley. Um, Murley was kind of your, your traditional number 11, whereas Warney could, could play at probably 8 or 9 quite, quite comfortably. Um, he scored 3,154 runs, an average of almost 18 with 12 50s, and, and everyone remembers that highest score of 99 against New Zealand. Uh, never quite managed to get to that century. Murali had only 1,261 runs in his career. He had almost as many wickets as runs. Um, at a real kind of number 11's average of 11.68. Um, and we all remember Murali's highest score of 67 uh, against India where he shared that, that uh, record 10th wicket partnership. Uh, he was always fun to watch, always not scared to, to have a go and have a bash um, when batting. But no doubt, uh, as a batsman, uh, Warren wins it hands, hands down. And uh, so we've answered the question, who's the best spinner? But now I'm going to turn the question around and say, who was the best cricketer? And I'm going to put a bit of context behind this. If you had a random side chosen for you, um, you don't know who you're playing against, you don't know where you're playing, you don't know what the conditions are, um, and you could only pick one of Vaughan or Murley, which one would you pick? For me, uh, I'm still in the Murley camp. Um, I think, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, I've always been a great believer that in test cricket, you pick people for their, for their specialty. Um, I don't believe in picking uh, players just because uh, one or other of the, of, um, you, you know, because they can bat a bit or bowl a bit. If you've got a brilliant once in a lifetime kind of all-rounder, they obviously um, are, are an incredible asset to any team. But I'm a big believer, you pick your six batsmen, you pick your, your best four bowlers, um, and, and that's how I would always pick my team. So I think merely on the numbers, and I think some non, you know, some other kind of factors that for me put merely just ahead of Vaughan are the fact that he literally carried his team uh, for his entire career. He wasn't bowling in a, a bowling lineup with McGraw, with Gillespie, with Brett Lee, um, you know, he really uh, was, for the, for the most part, carrying his team. Um, in addition, he wasn't, because Sri Lanka obviously went to powerhouse, he wasn't bowling with thousands of runs on the board. I think Warney, obviously that great Australian team, was typically bowling with massive leads, incredibly, you know, um, 
attacking field uh, with with very little pressure. Um, so I think when when you bring that into the mix, uh, for me, uh, the, what Murali's been able to achieve almost single-handedly carrying the country and still be able to to pip Warren on the numbers, um, you know, he gets the nod from me. I think that's an awesome answer and I think fair enough. Um, I think you make a really, really good argument there to have um, Murley in, in your team if you had to choose one. Personally, I, I get what you're saying. I just feel like I'd rather have that security of having that extra batsman who can score 50s. You never know how, you, you don't know who's in the team. You don't know how they'll perform. Um, maybe they're facing Murley and, you know, maybe they're in a bit of trouble there. But, yeah, I would choose Warren over Murley as a cricketer. But I definitely respect your arguments and, to a large extent, agree with it. Um, anyway, guys, um, that's we're running out of time here. What I will leave you with is this week's trivia question. Um, the question for this week is, who was the first batsman in ODI cricket to be given out, run out, by the third umpire? Do you know the answer, Gareth? I do, but I didn't know it before okay. we discussed it earlier. Okay, great. Guys, that's the question. That's our trivia question. Who was the first batsman to be given out by third umpire, run out, in ODI cricket? Anyway, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thanks for joining us in studio today, Gareth. Did you enjoy it? Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. Always great, great chatting cricket with Josh. Are you going to be joining us again in a future podcast? Uh, hopefully I get invited back. Eh? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> cool, guys. Let us know your thoughts. Send us um, you know, a voice note if you're using the Anchor app. Um, you can send us voice messages. Let us know your thoughts on Murley versus Warren debate. Perhaps there's um, something that we've left out that's important. Perhaps there's some kind of data we didn't look at that maybe skews the, the arguments back in a, another direction. Um, but we've really enjoyed it. We are on Instagram now. You can, go, uh, you can search for us, cricket underscore banter one. Anyway, guys, it's been a real treat. I've thoroughly enjoyed this podcast. Um, we'll be doing our best to bring in more guests and hopefully Gareth, as you can see, what an incredible cricket mind. Hopefully he'll be joining us in a future podcast. Anyway, till next time. Cheers.